Hi Cult Hackers, it's Stephen Mather here, organisational psychologist and ex-member of a high control group and one of the hosts of Cult Hackers. So welcome to the show. So some of you might be aware that um, I personally have been having a, a bit of a difficult time with the sort of thing that happens to ex-members of high control groups who speak out, who talk about their experience, who uh, talk about their life and how it's affected them. Um, and also actually many members of ex-high control groups who just choose to leave and live a life that isn't in keeping with the one that the religious organization or the whatever cult it was expected of them. So I'm going through a very small slither of what many of uh, our contributors, many of, of our interviews have gone through, uh, many of the people that I now know through the, uh, the the work that we've been doing here on the podcast. And it's, uh, I think for me, it's just a small taste of what some of you have gone through. Um, leaving a high control group, leaving a cult is incredibly difficult. And I think it just goes on a scale from really difficult to unbelievably difficult. And so I, I think um, my experience is nothing compared to many. But still, it is my experience and um, it's tough. So things have come to a head for me um, and that kind of happened on Monday. Uh, the next morning, I, after having a terrible night, I sat uh, in front of my microphone and decided that I was going to you know, the gloves are off now. This is, this is, I'm going to say everything I've ever wanted to say. Because, you know, although many people wouldn't realize it, I've been really careful what I've said. In fact, the, over and over again, the two words that keep cropping up in the reviews of our podcast are thoughtful and respectful. Now, if you're a podcast, thoughtful and respectful doesn't get you the hundreds of thousands of listens <laughs> No, basically, things like dangerous, edgy, uh, spectacular. These are the these are the words that you're really looking for. But do you know what? We like thoughtful and respectful. So the morning after it all kicked off, I recorded a podcast. I recorded a full podcast for today, which was me um, taking the gloves off and really talking about everything and anything I wanted to without any holds barred. Um, and so I sat on that for a few days um, and it's ended up on the cutting room floor because I've decided that I don't want to be defined by the way that I've been treated, I suppose. I don't want to um, allow that sort of treatment to push me into a mode of behaviour, into a mode of uh, of this podcast that actually it's not. This podcast is um, thoughtful and respectful and I want it to stay that way. We like it that way. And my final words about this week, I just want to say a massive thank you so much for everybody that's reached out to me, that has direct messaged me, that's talked to me on social media and that's even come around to see me um you know who you are 
and I want to say thank you so much. It means I can't. I just can't tell you how much it means. It's just. It's. Um, I think the difference between being able to cope and not. So I want to say thank you very much for everybody that's helped, that's been there and has reached out. So I've had to think about what else to talk about on this podcast today. And uh, I talked to Celine about it and we thought, given what's been happening and also given the time of year, it might be a good idea to look into the archive and see if we can just find something that is a bit lighter um, and something that we can just kind of sit back and just relax and enjoy ourselves, really. So I did that and I found a podcast from April of 2021 that we recorded when we were, what should I think about? And it was all about the supernatural. So April doesn't sound like the best time to do a supernatural podcast. Um, whereas October, just coming up to Halloween, absolutely does. So we thought this would be a good podcast for us to revisit. It was an early one, so I think not that many of our listeners will have heard the podcast. And so we thought it would be great to just play that again. First question for you is, like, what did you used to believe? Because obviously... Um, you don't really hear, I don't hear him talk about it much, but they must have had a set of beliefs, the witnesses, as to what we should believe. Yeah, it's really, it's actually, I find it fascinating, this this whole area uh, with my old religion, my my uh, previous religion, which was Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, it's, it's quite it's quite a strange sort of approach to it. So, so we were taught to believe that um, there were no such things as ghosts. Um, that people, when they died, they just died. They didn't go somewhere else. Um, so there were no ghosts. But what people would see in terms of supernatural visitations or, you know, spooky goings on was actually the demons. So in Jehovah's Witness theology, there's this idea that um, that Satan, the devil, was like the, a, an angel of God who rebelled against God. Um, I mean, this is pretty standard Christian stuff, really. But he rebelled against God and made himself a resistor and a slanderer, I think, liar. So that's what Slander. Satan and devil means. Um, and he basically rebelled against God's authority. And so ultimately, there's been a lot of uh, toing and froing in heaven and he gets chucked down to the vicinity of the earth. So this was part of what Jesus did. Uh, when he took his kingdom power in 1914 mm -hmm. there was a great battle in heaven he threw the angel and his followers so the angel uh, or satan the devil had some followers as well and uh, these are called demons and they get thrown to the vicinity of the earth which means that the devil now and his demons have this this uh, existence with, I mean, this no one really explains what the vicinity of the Earth means, but that's that anyway. That's They're what in it a is. Little ship. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so there's this realm of the Earth, mm -hmm. and they're they're here somewhere, and they can't go anywhere else. They're not allowed to go anywhere else. They're basically just in, encased in this this realm, this vicinity of that, the Earth. Yeah, vicinity of the Earth. But they are 
trying to do mischief. They're trying to mislead people into not believing in God. Mm. They're trying to mislead people into becoming other religions or, you know, anything anything as long as it's not worshipping it Jehovah. Yeah, it always makes me laugh when it's like... Because a lot of religions describe it as mischief. And I always find it funny. <laughs> it's like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Mischief. Yeah, it doesn't really get to the mm. the heart of it does it no. but yeah anything that stops people believing so you know as far as witnesses are concerned um the demons are behind atheism and evolution and um but also immorality and violence and so I think that, like, demons false religion to you then or like how are they doing that yeah so that's um that's I would say that's a, a really interesting question because, again, I don't think this is really explained very well in terms of, you know, what actually do you think is the happening? Demons get in, get in your ear at night and we're like, hmm. you should go be adulterous. <laughs> you should become a Hindu. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, well, it's they, hard they to... Take, they embody somebody and go for a cup of tea with you. And they're like, have you heard of Hinduism? So I think for most, for the most part, they believe it's all quite subtle, mm. um, and they use media and so like you know if you go to watch a um, a film that's got lots of violence in mm. it or lots of immorality in it or you know worse still um, supernatural stuff in it, then this is this is Satan and the demons mm. influencing the world. Now exactly the mechanism that they're doing that I don't think is really well no. well described. They're just really so I, good no, at social media. I don't know whether they think they literally get into Martin Scorsese's head, you know, while he's uh, while he's making this mm. film, or I, I don't know. I don't know what they, and I never really understood that. You know, exactly what are the mechanisms? What is happening? Um, but that's the the vague notion is that anything bad that's happening on the earth is partly either because of man's inherited sin. So, you know, we could perhaps talk about this on another podcast the idea of inherited sin mm. um which again is a very christian concept so a very biblical concept mm. if you like um so there's that but there's also then this influence from the devil and the demons who are basically prodding and pushing man to do bad things and that's anything that is not worshipping jehovah mm. or not doing what jehovah wants them to do as i said you know sexual activity that isn't prescribed um violence as long as it's obviously violence that isn't you know mandated mm. there's no more violent person than than god obviously if you think about what he's about to Lest do we forget the um the, the children's bible book <laughs> yeah uh so yeah it's all it's all quite vague but still um, there is this feeling that the devil is the ruler of the world. Mm. So they, they cite a, a scripture actually in uh, Matthew, I think it is, where Jesus is tempted by the devil. So he's in the wilderness for 40 days, mm. um, I think it is, and he is basically fasting and he's, he's, he's kind of this um, this idea that, I mean, this is quite a, an old trope, if you like, that holy men went into the wilderness and sort of, had this revelation, then came back and did all sorts of things. Mm. So Jesus was kind of doing that, I guess. But he goes into the wilderness and he fasts and he, uh, you know, tries to. Uh, well, to be quite honest, I don't know what he was doing. But anyway, that that's that's in the Bible. But during this time, when he was weak, the devil comes to him, mm. 
and he tempts him mm. and there's a series of tests that he that he gives Jesus one of them is he takes him to an unusually high mountain um, and shows him all the kingdoms of the world mm. so yeah that yeah, is a very high mountain him. Um, you yeah. can have all these things. It's funny because right. you know what? I only know that because of pole dark. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, because it was. I thought you'd had that from uh, from your visits to the meeting. No, nah, got that from pole dark because <laughs> um, like there's like a character that's basically trying to get them to get married to them, and they're like saying, you know, I've got uh... all this money you'll be taken care of, you'll be happy. And then this like old crone lady, she comes and she's like. And the devil will show you all these things. Well, that's really interesting. I didn't know that Poldark dabbled into uh, this sort of Well, it was set theology. in the um, uh, 17 to 1800s, isn't it? Napoleonic mm. time. So it's like, um, it's quite religion, religion heavy. Indeed. Um, anyway, the fact that, that uh, the devil was able to mm. promise Jesus all these things, um, they take as an inference mm. that Satan is in charge. He actually is the ruler of the world because right. he couldn't have offered Jesus these things mm. if he wasn't the ruler of the well, world. He could offer them, and it could be a bluff. Have we ever considered? He, he... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. He said, stroking his beard. <laughs> Maybe yes. Mm. Anyway, that's uh, yeah. That that's the that's the logic. I'm not saying mm. I agree with it. I'm just telling you that's what the uh, yeah. the reasoning was. So Satan is the ruler of the world, and that means, and obviously even more so since he's been thrown to the vicinity of the earth, and he's getting up to the, all these things, trying to lead people away mm. from Jehovah through any means possible. And so we have a. If you are to accept the JW. Um, worldview we we have an infestation of demons on the planet mm. so imagine that you know and and that means that you can you can uh perceive demons everywhere you know they could be behind anything mm. anything that goes bad anything that's awful you know oh that's demonic or you know that that's that's the influence of of satan mm. and his his horde mm. Um, so that's the worldview of um, of JWs, and and what what is interesting is it, on a day to day level, it's fairly low level in terms of. I don't think most Jehovah's Witnesses kind of they're not like the old, you know, mad Protestant mm. pointing a finger. You know, you are a witch from the devil. You know, not not it's not like that. But I think there is a there is a low level feeling that. You know, things that are tempting us to mm. leave the truth mm. or, you know, go and do something that we shouldn't. This is the this is Satan trying to lead us astray. Mm. Uh, but the other element of this is that uh, we were not allowed to show any interest mm. in the demons. So the idea was if you were to show interest in what the demons are doing and in them, mm. then this would invite the demons to come and trouble you in some way right. so by going to watch a film like i remember when the omen came out mm. um and the exorcist mm -hmm. these were uh films that absolute no-no for jehovah's mm -hmm. witnesses because by going to watch those you are essentially saying i'm interested in this and that would invite mm. the demons to start interfering in it's your funny life that also yoga is included in that 
awesome. Well, that's for a different reason. The reason for that is because in yoga, there's this concept. And I mean, I may be, don't forget, I'm not saying this is what I believe. Mm. And this is, but this is the understanding of Jehovah's Witnesses about yoga. Um, There was this perception that yoga was like you open your mind and you try not to think of anything. You just try to empty your mind of all thoughts. Mm. And the exercises go along with that. But really the idea was to create a peaceful feeling by emptying your mind. Mm. And the the theory was if you empty your mind, that will let the demons in. They have to ruin everything, don't they? (laughs) Someone's probably just got like anxiety and a bad back. And they're like, no yoga for you, you know? No yoga because you'll let the demons in. So any anything about opening your mind or not thinking about anything was letting the demons in. And actually, you just reminded me, asking mm. me that. Uh, when I was a child, I really worried about that. Mm. I remember being worried about... Because, you know, like all kids, from time to time, you have trouble sleeping. I remember saying to mum, I can't get to sleep. And she would say things like, well, just, just don't think about anything. And that would worry me because I think, I can't not think about anything because I let the demons in. Mm. Did you ever say that? I can't remember. I can't remember. But I do remember being scared at night sometimes, Mm. thinking that some demon would appear, um, something at the bottom of the bed would move or something Mm. like that. Nothing ever did, but I remember being frightened of that because there was a lot of talk about uh, demon possession, Mm. letting the demons in, and... um, yeah, it was quite scary. There's another one, actually, isn't there? That it's like having second-hand things. <laughs> it's yeah. like letting demons in. Because yeah. demons, obviously, they are just mischievous little gremlins. They've got nothing better to do with those. They're getting inside <laughs> books and, like, messing with you during yoga, you know. But... So one of the things about Jehovah's Witnesses that people who've never been mm. witnesses probably don't know about, really, but... They love a good ghost story. Mm. So this is the um, the irony. So if you go to watch a, a film about the supernatural, this would be, quote-unquote, inviting the demons in. Mm. But if you're sat around of an evening um, with some JW friends who've come around for tea and you get talking about a few stories... Mm then often they'll be they'll be giving experiences so these tend to be called experiences where they've had some experience with uh, with demonic interference in some way books were particularly worrisome you know so um, if you had a some strange things happening in your house like noises at night or mm. uh you know things that you couldn't really explain then think about whether you've got some books or something that were handed down to you by your grandparents or something but why would that or maybe an object maybe an object a chair or maybe something like that maybe a lamp or something Mm. that um that that a demon is inside so i mean again you scratch your head what do you mean is a demon living inside this lampstand you know what what does why does a demon have to live inside a lampstand you know i don't i don't it's got trapped (laughs) in it is it like, so you bring it home and you brought a demon back home. I think it's so that you can bring it home, isn't it? So it's like, oh, you chose to bring it in, but it's not like you did it willingly, but still. So it's sitting in the Heart Foundation store. Heart Foundation absolutely for... like a riot. It's a right rave. Can you imagine at night time when everybody's locked up? <laughs> He's banging in there. Absolutely. 
and then obviously when uh, when you bring it home you've invited demons in i mean there are stories in the bible about demon possession so mm-hmm. there's a story where um people were were accused of or were uh reportedly a victim of demon possession so that that a, a number of miracles that jesus and some of his apostles did were around freeing people from demons mm. so there were various stories around uh often women actually interestingly mm. who were possessed by some sort of demon or more than one demon and there is a there is one particular story where jesus um commands the demons to leave this woman mm. and they go into a a uh, a, a bunch of pigs mm. and the pigs run off the cliff and and die um it's very bizarre it's very bizarre this idea that people would be possessed by a spirit by a bad mm. by a demon was was actually really common um and i think you know obviously we can only speculate what actually was happening mm. but you know you think about certain medical conditions where people behave in ways that maybe others would be frightened of not really understand um i think actually that was what was more than likely going on it was a way for them to try and understand some behavior that they just just couldn't because they didn't have the medical knowledge to explain that what this person was having was a was a fit of some sort or mm. you know something like that um so yeah the, this legacy has come down so yeah there's actually a lot of stories around this sort of stuff you know oh yeah my my grandma she had this and yeah she had to get rid of it she had to burn it in the end because it was you know um or yeah i mean i've i've had other stories um about the ministry that's the other one mm. so we had a um someone come round once and talk to us about this experience where this brother went round with this other brother mm. to make a call on on this indian guy mm. and um, this time he had a friend with him and uh, apparently this friend had got a demon in him that was from india and uh, he just started to start to speak in sort of strange ways and shout and and his tongue was sticking out but he could still talk and then he he grabbed a chair just with one hand so he was so strong so obviously this demon was really strong and they had to get out they had to run out really quickly you know and this was an experience that so obviously as a child you're sat listening to all this and you are a fascinated by it and be terrified mm. <laughs> i'm wondering if this is not potentially racism <laughs> well i mean you know i'm well, sure just there being is funny about the fact that involved. like but like or maybe they were just like we'll just we'll just mess with these people that keep coming to your door they just messed with them i think that well yeah maybe. Do you know what i mean I they're like they're quite... what if we just what if i stick my tongue out and do that thing where i talk really clearly <laughs> and it's really weird and just i'll speak in, my, in yeah, uh... our language and it'll be really funny <laughs> Well, we can talk a bit about why people mm. tell these stories and, and how the the stories get, mm. I suppose, um, communicated and so on. Mm. But um, there was another another case where... Uh, now, this particular brother was a member of the Anointed mm. and Which he told... my friend finds hilarious, the, the concept of the Anointed. He doesn't understand yeah. and I still is like, are you sure you've got that right? And I'm like, yeah. They just say... <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to heaven. So there was a again a, a kind of 
they wouldn't agree with this word, but a kind of superstition, I think, around mm. members who claim to be of the anointed. Mm. So these are, for, if you're not a witness listening to this, uh, the anointed are people, so the, the general uh, theology doctrines for Jehovah's Witnesses is that most people will um, inhabit a paradise earth as human beings who live forever. So that's the that's the hope for most people. There are a few, however, that are going to, few Jehovah's Witnesses that are chosen to go to heaven and rule as kings with Jesus mm. over this mm. earth. And uh, they they basically self-identify as being members of this heavenly class. Uh, this has created some problems, but anyway, that's we'll, we won't go into that. But that's... Um, so, when I was growing up, um, these individuals who were members of the anointed, mm. I thought there was always a little bit of reverence about them you know oh they're, they're one of the anointed have you noticed how spiritual their comments are you know or when you talk to them there's a sort of i don't know a real spirituality about them mm. you know so this was kind of a, a cultural thing so when he told this story that obviously held quite a lot of weight but he um he told a story of uh, an apparition appearing at the bottom of the bed mm. and he sat up and said look i know who you are and I'm just not interested. <laughs> and he went away. So it's a bit like when Joe Rips is coming on your door. Yeah. yeah, I was like, well, I guess I've had lots of practice with that. <laughs> that seems to work. I know who yeah. you are and I'm not interested. I'm not interested, yeah. There they go. Mm. And I remember telling somebody on the ministry that story. Mm. So it was it was a Bible study. So we'd got, you know, we'd we'd, we'd kind of... Got to know, got to know them, mm. so it wasn't like that was the first. That was my opening gambit, you know. Mm. But we'd uh, we'd got talking, and I I relayed this um, illustration, and I remember him saying, looking at me, going, "I don't believe that." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember at the time thinking, "Well, how can you not believe it? Because mm. I've just told you, and I believe the person that told me, mm. and I believe the person that told them, you know. So that must, what, what, how can you say that? And I think that that sums up quite a lot of the journey that I've made mm. in relation to what I believe now and how I believe it. Mm. But yeah, it's quite, quite interesting. Just, well, that's so very, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, how can you, how can you just, just dismiss it like that? You know, mm. Um, mm. uncle such and such told me, you know, can I believe him? Yeah. Well. <laughs> anyway, so that, there was a lot of, so I think um, if you've been raised mm. or even been in, uh, this organization but actually this is any christian or, or in fact other religions they all have um a story about a supernatural mm -hmm. realm and that can include devils it can include demons it can include people who've died and still their spirit or their soul is is there and there's lots of different explanations about why things happen and things we can't explain and and obviously um, add to that the the need or the feeling that you want to you don't want to believe that your loved ones mm. have gone for good you know i think there's a there's a real there's a whole set of uh, thinking and stories around that mm -hmm. well i think that a lot of people that are ex-religious <laughs> and do turn to mediums and stuff because i think you know we recently did a podcast on death and i think if you're I know you didn't necessarily because you didn't you think that maybe it's because you didn't believe 
that was going to happen anyway. And also, I suppose you've not experienced losing a partner, for instance, or your parents yet. Mm. But, um, you know, if you have and you've been putting a lot of stock in the fact that it's all right, I don't need to grieve them because I'll see them again. Um, If then you either you have to go through a grieving process or you try and find a new way of knowing that they're either still there or will be somewhere else. Um, Mm. And so, you know, people go to mediums and stuff. Mm. I don't think it's an either or, to be honest. I think people always go through a grieving process if they miss somebody. But then there's also a feeling, well, you know, maybe they, in some form, they're still still there. Mm. And I completely understand that, Mm. um, that, that feeling. But yeah, that's. Um, was, so I suppose when sorry. I was going to say, oh, well, I was going to say because there was um, Houdini really cared a lot, didn't he, about people and his wife about people mm. knowing that what he did was tricks and that supernatural is actually not really real. Um, so he'd often, you know, he painted his tricks. They were tricks that were part of his thing, mm. um, part of his toolkit, and um, he would go and. Def, you know defraud um is that when you reveal debunk. someone debunk. debunk he would debunk people and he would go to their shows and be like prove how they weren't real mm. and um then when he died as well he set a bunch of questions that only his wife knew the answer to and said that she had to go to all these different mediums and see if she could get um the mediums to say the answers that she knew mm. all these things they'd agreed mm. Um, and obviously that never worked and she was mm. like see that his last thing was to prove against these mediums by being like I'm willing and you know if I die I will come you know if this is real and possible I will do that um, yes so I think um, I, I mean I'd like to talk a little bit about some of these mm. characters who have tried to uh, debunk and there's quite a few of mm-hmm. them through the through the years but I suppose what they represent is a a um, a way of thinking about the subjects and you you can you can put two opposing camps really you can put the uh, the the believers or the people who think there's something to it and then the the debunkers the skeptics if you like and there's quite a lot of discussion between those two and um yeah some, sometimes it gets quite heated um when you leave a, a high control group that has this theology that has this philosophy Mm. that you've been steeped in um like everything else we talk about on this podcast it's right okay now everything i believed about this that's that i don't need to believe that anymore so i don't need to believe that Mm. the devil is in the vicinity of the earth and with his demons he's chilling out in his chairs (laughs) on the other hand yeah he's hiding a lamp somewhere um even, however, um, I, I I also don't know if there, there's some other explanation for this. So mm. maybe maybe it's one of the other things that other people have said. Like maybe it is um, people that have died, or maybe it's um, you know other entities from another dimension or from a different astral plane, or or maybe it's aliens. You know. So there's all these all these new answers to some of these questions now that present themselves to the person who's left 
an all-encompassing group mm. where all these ideas so you know you didn't need to ask oh i wonder what that is i wonder what ghosts are mm. i wonder what people are. no you didn't need to worry about that because you knew that it was demons so somebody went to a spirit medium for instance and spoke to a dead loved one apparently then it was we didn't need to ask what was happening there it was easy because it was a demon and demons can of course um impersonate somebody mm-hmm. so that was the answer mm-hmm. so you didn't oh, okay that well we know what that is we don't need to worry about mm-hmm. that um same goes for you know for anything else any other supernatural stuff that was going on there was an explanation for it upon leaving that explanation's gone mm-hmm. you now need to make your own mind up so i think that's that's really important so you've got the likes of houdini and james randy and darren brown and other skeptics mm-hmm. who who debunk a lot of this stuff and then you've also got lots of cultural um and um yeah well quite quite well established ideas yeah. around because I, I think in terms of the demon thing actually just for based on what you've just said there um I think I think that there is uh, you know the idea of being manipulated by demons and devils and so on I think you could definitely see that in terms of um, so Darren Brown did if you don't want spoilers for um, the push then don't listen but it's been out for a few years now so when he did <laughs> yeah. the push and he basically manipulates people into pushing someone off the edge of a building you mm. could easily be like I'd never normally do that it must have been the power of a devil mm. Um but you know, it was actually just you know clever psychology and pushing and manipulating. Mm. Do you see what I mean? You could easily just be like, "Oh, I got possessed." Um, so yeah, I think when you leave when you leave anything like that, when you've got this all-encompassing belief system that you're locked into, so once you leave, your everything's up for grabs, really, including all that. Mm. So I had to. I had to reevaluate all my thoughts around that. So um happy to talk about that. But before I do, I wanted to ask you, as somebody who's never kind of had that upbringing, mm. um, what your thoughts are about the supernatural and, you know, whether you think this stuff is happening or, you know, what do you think? Well, obviously I wasn't like raised in it in the same way that you were. But, um, you know, I did have family that would be talking about those things or um did go to the meetings sometimes um but yeah generally it was just a bit more ghost stories are just fun as kids aren't they and kids always Mm. tell ghost stories and um you know kids love to scare each other with stories i think um we used to make many a game like we didn't want to have a ouija board because that would be too scary also Ooh, i wonder if you would have even ouija. let me at that point because it was still early days of you yeah. leaving would you have let me use a ouija board oh that's a really good question can i can i can i um can you table not answer that question <laughs> can i table that question i don't know i i need to <laughs> that's a really good question yeah you can get them on amazon yeah apparently. yeah you can get them 9.99 yeah you Gee. can get them anywhere also you can probably get them in them um, you can get them second hand yeah well yeah but oh that's that that's mind-blowing isn't it you know <laughs> worried about having a demon possessed ouija board yeah 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 
Yeah. That's layer upon layer of scariness. Anyway, let's just get to you. I'm asking no, you. No, I know, but like, I was just, I just, I just was intrigued by the idea of coming home and being like, I played a Ouija board. I don't think I would have wanted to tell you, which to me suggests I don't think you would have liked it. If I played. I don't think I would have liked it. Um, and I don't think I would get one now. And that, that betrays a certain, um, mm. what's the words, ambivalence. Um, anyway, I don't want to talk about me. I'm no, asking I you. I know, but still. What do you think? Um, well, I've never committed to actually doing a Ouija board because I could, but I'm not. But I did create my own little version. <laughs> the coin oh, game. Oh, yeah, the coin game. Yeah, yeah, which is a very, very simplified version where you... Um, ask yes or no questions and you use a coin as the vehicle for the answer because basically yeah. there's the idea that like spirits can manipulate things isn't there so it's not, mm. you can ask them any questions you just have to find a vehicle for answering <laughs> and so our vehicle was a coin so we'd be like can we open the gate and then flip a coin and heads would be yes and tails would be no and if they said yes then you could start asking questions and if it said no then you just harassed it till it said yes basically <laughs> <laughs> okay so did well, you think that you gave was actually um, um i don't know how much we truly truly believed it but children when you play pretend sometimes you start believing it i think it was a bit more of a maybe a game of playing pretend that mm. took on a life of its own because mm. me and daniel were playing it and we were in the woods <laughs> what what did what do you think now in terms of so do i you don't think, think the coin that... game is real that was definitely a no. A creation of my own no. doing, and it was just a 50 50, and sometimes it would roll on one and the other. Um, but you can, it's vague enough that you can believe it because it is just yes or no answers. So, so what about people's experiences of, of haunted houses and uh, poltergeists? It's and difficult, ghosts isn't and it? Like There's that. often, well, we watched um, a program, didn't we? I can't remember what it's called, but it did have Chris French in it talking about that house in the north was it that was so chris french is um i think he's retired this year but he was the uh, professor at goldsmith and he specialized yes exactly yeah, yeah so like um, the yeah. weird stuff um why people believe or crazy like shit as he called it yeah yeah but um <laughs> the professor of crazy shit yeah i love I goldsmiths love. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so uh, there was that one. It was about that family, wasn't it, where they were the the young girl was being haunted, um, mm. and people were, you know, it was trying to discuss: is it not just them putting a lot of belief in it? Because children just have an amazing capacity to believe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I've never heard someone's direct recount like of a story as severe as some of those ones. I've only ever heard them mm. in second hand but i think this is what makes it so i don't generally think i believe it but i don't watch you know i watch buzzfeed unsolved i don't watch that mm. at night <laughs> mm. i watch it in the daytime so to me it's a bit of a suggestion like with you with the ouija board being like i don't believe in it but i don't want to play it nor have it in my house it's quite strange um i i, I think it's probably the same case mm. but I, and i think it's the case that that was the inspiration behind mm. the exorcist mm. Um, yeah, that's really this, freaky. There was a between unsolved yeah. of that one. But the thing yeah. that's sad with that is she probably had epilepsy and a series of other um, <clears throat> maybe neurodivergencies that were sort of like pushed down and 
and and ignored and basically devolved into mistreatment of her and you know because in the end she was being like held down and yeah i don't know but i was listening to another podcast um which i quite enjoy if, if you're looking for more podcasts um called uh time suck mm. it's it's a bit irreverent and uh you know if you've got a, a weak stomach it's probably not for you but um he he does all sorts of different subjects and uh this particular one was about um this sort of supernatural mm. stuff and uh he he talked about this particular case now what happens when i go to bed i i've always well recently struggled sleeping mm. so i put an earbud in and i listened to a podcast oh, until God. i go to sleep I bet they played some of the audio because there's recordings they did oh, no. they played some of the actual audio yeah. of this girl and i woke up to that sound and it was absolutely terrifying it's really scary because uh, she's like a child but she's growling it's quite scary uh, yeah. yeah it is mm. yeah but people can that can be done um i think there's a debate as to of you know, the people debate whether or not she was doing it on purpose. I mean, she ends up dead, so I don't think you're doing it on purpose. You know what I mean? She did die. Um, yeah. But so, so you're, you've still not given me an answer, really. Um, I've asked you that three or four times now. Do you believe in that stuff? Well, no. I said I don't think. I I did say that. I said I don't think I believe it. I said that there's okay. just obvious um, instances of skepticism of myself, I suppose, in that. I don't watch these things at night and things like that. So on an intellectual level, you don't believe in supernatural goings on. No. But on a kind of emotional level, if you're, I don't know, um, on your own in a spooky house, let's say, mm. you'd feel a bit nervous. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's fair enough. And I think that's that's definitely... Like, when, there's, when you go... Because I'm... The, the great thing the great annoyance of living with men and women together women can go to the bathroom at night and not turn the light on and annoy everybody whereas men go on and turn the light on whack the light on and annoy everybody but anyway because um, obviously I go in there and I don't turn the light on but then I'm washing my hands in front of the mirror and it's dark but I can sort of just see myself but the idea of that kind of freaks me out so I don't I just look down yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see anything I don't care if it's there. Yeah, I don't care if it's there, because I don't think it's there. But I just don't yeah. want to see it if it is. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to be proven or disproven. I'm happy in this state of like, <laughs> I don't think it is, and I'd rather just stay yeah. here. But like, if I look in the mirror and there's something there, then I have to face it, and I don't want to. Cool. Okay, that's interesting. Well, I mean, there's some really ancient psychological things at play there. I think. Mm. You know, so we we as human beings, we've had to try and make sense of the world, and so we interpret things we don't understand. Yeah. Even, even though we don't have yeah. all the facts. Well, there's certain things that no wonder people used to think it was spirits or something, because you know you can get sleep paralysis, mm, and um, yeah. it create you get a lot of like hallucinations because you're kind of still in dream, but you're not. So like you're conscious, but you're not really conscious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can't yeah. move. Which is scary in itself. And sometimes you'll see figures um, and you'll hear things as well. Like you get like basically like auditory and visual hallucinations because mm. you're kind of still dreaming, mm. but you're not. So it's in your room, which is quite terrifying. I mean, no wonder. Yeah. I mean, some people still do think that as demons or ghosts and such. Well, there was this tradition of um, like incubus and, um, and so they on. They whisper to you where... in your sleep, don't they? 
well actually have sex with you in your sleep yeah that's so yeah um not in D D they don't quite go that far because there oh, is okay. incubus yeah, and succubus you see uh, well, that's a bit different they, but they just say um, things to you but i think i think it depending on how like deprived your dm is it can <laughs> they could make it weirder but i've not that's experienced a, that's that. a, a cohort you wouldn't want to be part mm. of um yeah so there's there's long tradition of that and i mean what's interesting now is that you often hear um stories about you know, aliens mm, um, probing and, night, and yeah. abducting and so on. And actually, if you listen, to, if you listen to the stories, they're they're very similar. Mm. Um, they talk in very similar ways about experiences. So it seems like um, the experience is is actually probably the same mm. thing. Which um, yeah, you could a, have sleep paralysis and think that that was an alien, I suppose. Yeah, well, that is that is one of the explanations mm. for when people say they they couldn't move and they could see these aliens, um, but they weren't able to move. You know, actually, that's what's yeah. probably happening. Mm. Um, but this this leaves us with the the difficulty of you know how do we know? So this is what the theme of this podcast is. What should I think about this? So what should I think about the supernatural? Should I think it's real? Should I think this is happening or that is happening? You know, how do we know? I don't know. I'm quite happy to take a general line of um, uh, it's probably not real, but it doesn't it doesn't hurt to um, leave some shit alone. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think there was I can't remember who it was, but Aiden was like, oh, it's like that guy that was like, I don't really believe in God, but it doesn't hurt to go to church every Sunday. Well, that's the age old uh, what's it called, um, Pascal's wager. I think so. Where it's like, just being a bit yeah. like. You might as well hedge your bets. Mm, sort of yeah, because it was like, yeah. oh, what happens? I'm bored every Sunday. Um, but yeah, no, I think I'm kind of like, I wouldn't want to do a Ouija board because. Eh. But there's no, there's no evidence to it. Um, no. And also, like, uh, Darren Brown's done that thing where it's like, proven that it is just really slight movements from everybody. Um, so in that, it's not. Cause, and you wouldn't even necessarily know it's yourself doing it because everybody's doing a little bit. Well, as somebody said on, um, I was reading up about this, and they said, like, if you can get um, a Ouija board for nine ninety nine from mm. Amazon and can can talk to dead people, that's pretty good value, isn't it? I know. <laughs> the uh, the reviews should be really good. I know. I wonder if Ouija boards ever work <laughs> or just on your own because you must know when it's just you just shoving it about. You know. Not, not really, not necessarily. Depends anyway, how, light it is. how how do we know? I think is the question I would like to to, to go into. Now. How, well, how do you know? One way or the other, how how can you know? How can you come to a decision? Um, and I think that's for me. That's I don't want to impose my views on anybody else in terms of whether you should believe it or not. What I think we should ask is what what is good evidence, and what should we expect to be able to make up our mind about? this stuff well there's um there was um that thing as well isn't there like there's 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 more evidence to say it's not real there was that thing about do you remember this because i feel like it's like i wonder if this is even real now do you remember they were like oh when you see ghosts sometimes they're like imprints of the past or something do you remember that they were like they're not ghosts they're just like imprints of the past that was what somebody else said and i was like well well i think again what you're staring at the through the wrong end of the telescope mm-hmm. you know you're trying to explain something but first of all we need to say is something happening and what is happening mm-hmm. so 
yeah. So the first thing I think we have to say is where is the evidence for supernatural events? Mm. If there's evidence for it, then we can go on to then try to come up well, with the some evidence is purely hypothesis. anecdotal, isn't it? There's no like scientific right. proof because what what would you even the scientific proofs that they've decided as measures is like how cold it gets. So you have little cold measures or like using static radios and stuff. And it's like, what? These these are arbitrary um, sort of scientific... As far as I'm concerned, they seem like arbitrary scientific measures to try and make it seem scientific because um, they've got dials and BP machines and such. But realistically, there's no, there's no evidence to say that that's evidence. So... Well, if somebody if somebody says this, let's let's have an example. Let's let's put an example forward. So let's say this house. Somebody points out a house in the street and says, "Right, this house is haunted." Mm-hmm. So okay, tell me the story first. So what I would do is I say, "Well, tell me the story." Well, you know, every night this this woman, this apparition appears of a woman carrying a baby and what whatever whatever and um it goes all cold people feel a shiver it goes all cold um and this happens and this happens so what what somebody's doing there is they're claim making a claim about some reality aren't they mm. they're making a claim that there is an appearance of a of a something an apparition or a woman or a ghost or whatever and it has some physical effects so it, it means you can see it. If you can see something, mm. then, you know, you should be able to record it or have a photograph of it or have some other physical evidence because the only way you, as a human being, can perceive something is through physics because mm. we have eyes and we have ears and we have the physical means of perceiving the world. So if you feel cold or if you've seen something or if you hear a bang... Um, then all of those things are absolutely measurable. So, so let's set up a situation where we can observe it mm. through video or through audio or through temperature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, these are scientific methods, but they're the same. It's the same physical um, mechanisms by which an individual mm. claims to have seen this thing in the first place. So I think they're absolutely; those are absolutely good reasons to, or good methods by which you could test it. Mm. So let's let's have some apparatus that can measure mm-hmm. these changes that the person is claiming. Mm. So that that would be a good test, and and so let's let's do that. Um, if somebody claims to be able to uh, speak with somebody that's died. Mm then we need a controlled experiment that will uh, test that claim. Mm. Now, where where I think a lot of people get this wrong is they, they allow the, the person who's the medium to set it up. Mm. You can't do that because the medium will always set it up or let's say they are doing it through cleverness trickery like, like lots of entertainers do, mm. like Darren Brown mm. does, like randy does and like all sorts of other um you know illusionist illusionists they make it seem like and what's his name dynamo is mm. another good one um they make it seem like they are um 
reading a mind or they're, they're, they're speaking to somebody else and so on and they can make you think that that's the case but they set it up they it's in their room it's they set it the time and day they organize when who it is that they're going to mm. choose they and so they they are entertainers and they're able to organize it in their way if you're going to do it scientifically you ha- if you're a medium you have to be willing to go into a situation where you are not in control anymore the scientist is in control and the experiment is set up to test your claim Mm. and every time somebody's tried to do that they have never been able to replicate that type of um, proof so you you can prove these things but unfortunately they they don't or at least they haven't so far what about ones that um so ones that are less like they're obviously making claims and doing stuff actively to make the spiritual stuff happen you know what i mean like mediums are like instigating the spiritual stuff right is the idea um because they'll just go to random places you know they're not going they'll go to people's homes or they'll go to you know places with audience setups they don't mm. just go to anywhere um but what about um the super the supernatural of intuition i suppose or like and you know how it's always like animals and children supposedly are more in tune with this side of the world than adults so 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 yeah so you you're left here with a dog growling into thin air apparently yeah. or a child telling a story about um some apparition or something at the bottom of the bed or, or for whatever. instance okay here's a story i'll give you one and then you can say how you would yeah. approach it so yeah. somebody i know moved into a home um it was a reasonably good price for unknown reasons um they were uh pregnant at the time with their second child and they had their first child and they were giving them a bath and they said um they started talking about why is what why is that man here and why does he look so sad and i'm like what what, what do you mean and they said you know why is he why is he hanging up and it turned out that there'd been someone that had hanged themselves previously and that's why the house was so cheap but this kid was saying that they were seeing someone and that they were seeing a, mm. a man hanged and they didn't the parents didn't know about that in the house first um so they would say you know there's no way that they overheard us talking about it or being worried about it because we didn't even know until we asked our letting agent about it afterwards and they were like oh yeah the previous occupant did hang themselves in the cupboard mm. um what what's going on there so so the first thing i would say is again this is a story so this is a a story that you're telling me mm-hmm. that somebody told you mm. Was it them that the experience happened to? No, it was um, one more person on. So, so this is somebody that told them mm-hmm. that told you, mm-hmm. who is now telling me. Mm-hmm. So you, you're at that point, you're so many times removed that you don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, exactly what did that kid say mm. so you know what were the actual words that came out of his mouth mm. if he said something like you know why is that man sad mm. 
who knows what he'd been watching on TV or, mm. or what it, you know. It, but what we do is we interpret what's happening in a very specific way. We think, oh, that means this, mm. or this must mean that. But there can be many, many reasons why a child might say those words mm. or words similar. But of course, once we've made sense of it in a very specific way, it's embedded then. Mm. This is what this means. And therefore, it then gets told. Um, and retold and it, it obviously often picks up a bit of embellishment along the way as well and it and it becomes a, a story but actually if you think about it you know would you if somebody accused somebody of murder mm. uh, would you accept that on the basis of somebody telling somebody else who told somebody else who told somebody else mm. you know you'd say well okay I, maybe I should investigate it so I'm not saying you just completely dismiss it but you say, right, first of all, I need to know more detail. Mm-hmm. Who told this story? What are their motives? How can I be sure they were telling the truth? Even if their motives are pure, how we know exactly what was said. And that's why anecdotal evidence is so difficult mm. to use. Because, you know, it comes to you out of nowhere essentially and 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 no one really yeah. i think should should be accepting it for what that about my weird uh, can story, i just though? yeah can i just say one thing though before we move mm. on because uh, some people listening here might have very strongly held beliefs about uh you know that they've contacted their loved one or and that's really given them comfort and and i i always say about everything like this that no one knows 100% for sure about anything mm. you know so i have my own personal views on this stuff and i i remain very skeptical however i don't want to rubbish on on other people's experiences because their experiences no. can be very important to them so you know that's that's a bit of a caveat i want to say about this on the other hand people also um take others for um, take advantage mm. of other people's needs so i think there's also something to consider there mm. but sorry carry on what were you going to say oh i was going to say you're a bit of a um bit of a shame as in if you watch buzzfeed unsolved he's basically okay. like that the, the idea is you've got someone that believes it like properly is like right. ye. though i think the more he does it the less he's coming to believe it now but he's still really afraid mm. and they, they'll put him in rooms and stuff and like you have to sit on your own now for five minutes and he's just like nearly in tears <laughs> um, and then the other guy is called Shane and he's just basically like yo demons show yourself like he's very like he just doesn't believe it um, which is a fun dynamic but yeah you're probably more of the Shane though I don't know would you shout yo demons in the middle of a supposedly haunted mansion yeah I think I I, I don't uh, I don't have any kind of I think I would have to be set up in such a way as to as to make me frightened. I'm sure I could be made to be frightened mm. if things happened I didn't understand. But um, no, I wouldn't. Um, I don't think I'd be afraid of being in a, an empty room. So you'd shout yo um, demons, would you? Well, yeah, it wouldn't make any difference, would it? Because there's, mm. there's no demons there. So. <laughs> but you were you were about to tell me about um, my story, your experience. Yeah. Mm. So when I was a kid you took me to your place of work over the weekend once you had some stuff to do um so you took me with you and i had my little like pack lunch and i was just wondering about because there was no one there so it was safe for me to just go about Mm. because you were the only person in 
um, at least in your section of the building and yeah, you need yeah. key cards to get around didn't you so I could only get so far yeah. so I was just wondering about I remember sitting in like the sort of auditorium bit you know where you could you probably did presentations and people would sit and watch it's not huge it's like very small but okay. um, I don't remember that well bit. there's like a big white bo- yeah well you weren't with me you were doing your work I was wondering about mm. but like there's like a big board where you could put on um, a projector and I was just like you must my yogurt and stuff like just wandering about um oh yes i remember that was the little training room yeah, yeah i forgot we had that there. Yeah, yeah you had a training right. room I, See, I was mm, i'm a child yeah. and i remember this <laughs> anyway so i was like sitting there eating my little yogurt and my sandwiches mm. um wandering about doing some coloring i think i did something that in my head you were going to stick to your door and that would be there forever but presumably not <laughs> um <laughs> What a painter, a picture. Yeah, well, like a, a colouring with felt tips and stuff and stuff like that. I've still got it. Really? No. <laughs> I was like, that's not... Like, we're not a particularly sentimental household, so I was like... Not that much. What? <laughs> Quite sentimental. We have anyway, some things, but not everything. Um, but anyway, so, you know... Um, and then we were leaving, weren't we? And I, like, was saying about this nice lady and I waved goodbye to somebody. Yeah. And you're like, what's going on there? <laughs> And I was just like, I'm just saying yeah, goodbye to right. the nice lady. <laughs> what nice lady? Yeah. And then you went to work, didn't you? Mm. And... That's right. Next day, um, I just mentioned this this story. You're like, who to, was in? Because um... my daughter saw somebody. Yeah. So there's a um, so one of the women that had been there for quite a few years. She said, oh, um, and she she I can't remember the name, but she said, oh, I wonder if it was such and such. Um, as it happens, the the corridor that you came through the back entrance to where i worked mm. that's where the switchboard was um and one of the ladies that worked on the switchboard for many years she died she died a year or so before um and so yeah you described her and um um she sort of put two and two together for oh maybe it's her you know that that was yeah, yeah cause it was, was like an older lady, and I said I saw an older mm. lady, and that she was very that's nice. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's a really quite good story because it when you hear that it kind of makes you tingle a little bit, mm. doesn't it? Ooh. Um, so young child come into to the the office, and she'd seen something, you'd seen mm. something that I hadn't, um, and then going home, you asked a question that seemed a bit out, and then then I asked somebody else at work, and they interpret helped me to interpret it in a certain way. Mm. But if you break all that down, you know, what what have you actually got? So you've got a a child who, you know, has an imagination. Um, all, all you do is say, I waved at the nice lady. Um, I think you described her as having grey hair, I think grey curly, like, you know, obviously curly like hair. curled with curlers sort of hair. Right. Like, so when I, I I don't think we we actually that wasn't the case when um when I delved a bit deeper mm-hmm. she didn't have that hairstyle. Um and the other point of course is there may have been cleaners in. We don't mm-hmm. know if there was mm-hmm. maybe a cleaner just come in and did a bit of work or maybe somebody had forgotten something and mm-hmm. popped in and waved. You know, there was other people with key cards that could have come in and, mm-hmm. and whatever. Um so so there's lots of potential explanations and and the only reason it meant it made something was that this woman i told put another kind of mm. spin on it mm. and all of a sudden now there's a ooh you know but then you have to ask well why would a woman who 
you know, she was a switchboard operator, but um, presumably that wasn't the most important part of her life. <laughs> Why is her spirit hanging around? I don't know, it just popped um, in. The switchboard. There's a cute little, little child to say hello to. <laughs> yeah. So actually, if you start to unpack it, it doesn't. As a story, it's a cracking little story, and yeah, it has all those elements. But mm. um, when you start getting to it, you know, it doesn't really make any sense but in a way it's kind of cool to have a story like that and you mm. don't want to rubbish on to it no. but on the other hand it's not good evidence mm. for the existence of the supernatural is it no but it was quite fun though of course and it's a great story so tell it mm. but my point is if you're trying to work out what's true if you're trying to say you know what should i think about this that sort of experience is not mm is not the one so we interpret all sorts of no, things i mean you mentioned before about a friend who uh interpreted a, a robin visit a bird yeah people bird apparently visiting. some people see robins as like their as like representing their like grandma or something um mm. i know people see you know when you get like a small white feather they think that that's an angel yeah. visiting your guardian angel yeah so all sorts of little things like that 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 um people interpret but mm. Yeah, again, it's 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 human nature to try and make sense and to try and um, link one thing with another. We we are very good at spotting correlations. So, oh, you know, I've seen that. Oh, mm. that reminds me of of him. Mm. So, the example I was telling you before we started the podcast, you know, somebody said, um, you know, I lost my um, relative. I can't remember the exact nature of the relative, but I lost my dad's and um, and then saw a packet of Watsits mm. on the ground and I thought, oh, my dad loved Watsits, you know. Mm. And it was as though this was some sort of um, miraculous happening, you yeah. know. That, uh, But, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but people throw packets away all the time and it's, you know, mm. the fact that you saw that and your dad liked Watsits doesn't, doesn't actually mean anything. Or it doesn't if you're trying to weigh up evidence. No, I could fancy some um, Watsits now. <laughs> So, um, mm. so yeah. Mm. Um, so I think, I think, how do we know what's true in relation to this? What should I think about this sort of stuff? Mm. Um, I think it's up to everybody what they believe, and I, you know, I don't want to tell people what they should believe. I guess for me, what I'm looking at is what is the evidence for it. But you've and still got telling the me stories. Though. Yeah, I can't, I can't overcome entirely my animal fears. Do you know about Do you ever get things? the thing when you're in the dark and you're like, you think you might have seen something? Or you think, what if something comes out of that corner? No, I don't have that anymore. I used to yeah. as a child. Yeah. Or do you I ever get... I don't have that Do you anymore. ever get the thing... Like, so if some, if you were at mates, right? I don't know why yeah. this would happen. But if you were at your mates and they all got a Ouija board out, would you leave? Would you play? Would you just sit there? I think I'd watch. I think I'd stay and watch. Mm. But you wouldn't put your hands not... on the little thing? No, because I'm I'm more of an observer. I like to watch and observe and see what's happening. Is it because you're you're uh, a bit afraid though? No. You're afraid. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, going back to the uh, the debunkers. Let's just let's just look at what they have done because I think that's quite a quite an interesting area. So uh, one of the one of my kind of heroes, if you like, is a guy called James Randi. Mm. He died last year. Um, which was very sad. He's he spent a lifetime. He's actually a magician. He was a very good magician, illusionist, and like a lot of, if not all, illusionists, 
they are very skeptical because they know how these things are done. Yeah. Um, well, they're not. A lot of them, are, when they say they're illusionists, very, very stand against the the other side of being a medium. They're like, I'm an illusionist, not a medium. Exactly. So because they know how the techniques work mm. and they recognise them. Um, there was a there was a guy. I think it was going back to the eighties called Peter Popoff. Mm. And he was a faith healer and he claimed that he could um, heal people of all sorts of illnesses from being wheelchair bound to cancer and so on. And he would, you know, he'd earn millions from this where people would pay to come and be a member of his audience and, and get healed. He also knew lots of things about them that no one else could know really. So he was clearly... You know, it seemed like he was clearly um, for, for the, the real mm. deal. Yeah, and in fact, I think the the film called Red Lights, uh, starring um, Robert De Niro and Robert De Niro and young man. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember his name, but yes, um, <laughs> he looks like Brian uh, Cox. Not, <laughs> yeah, doesn't he? Name? He's Irish. He's in Tron. Is that his name? For about a minute. Cox? Is that the physics guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think that that story is kind of based upon this um, this character, mm. um, and yeah. So so James Randi was was keen to debunk this guy. I mean, he's making millions. He's an absolute millionaire mm. on people's belief that they could talk to their dead loved ones, and um, so so he, he basically gets uh, he gets some really sensitive equipment listening equipment to see whether there's anything mm. going on and and he picks it up and you can hear this on there's a, a little mini documentary on youtube um and you can hear this woman's voice um transmitting on a mm. on some sort of frequency and the voice says hello pd can you hear me if you can't you're in trouble mm-hmm. and then she goes on to tell him about these individual people that he's then going to mm. call on mm. um, and how did she know well before they came into this they had prayer cards mm. where they got people to write their prayers on these prayer cards mm-hmm. and so she would then use these prayer cards to feed information via a little radio in his ear yeah to tell him what uh, what people who they were what their ailments yeah. were and so I on. do wonder if that's not kind of obvious if you write down exactly what you want I don't I don't think so I mean I think now you could do the same now if I, I believe I mm-hmm. could do it um, set up a, an event where people come and uh, I could tell people all about themselves mm. and the thing is now it's so easy mm. it's so easy just go onto facebook find people's facebook accounts no, and you can learn so much about people but they wouldn't they wouldn't twig it you know they oh wow that's amazing mm. it would be so easy and people are so ready to accept this stuff and yet it's so easy to find mm. out about about people i mean the way that um, dynamo and people like that mm. do it when they go to these um these events yeah. they have like stooges that get to meet people in the hotel yeah, before yeah. they and they get to know them you know they make friends with mm. them and they start to get information again that's how they do it they well, they find out there was one though wasn't it? it just made me think of that jamestown massacre was originally based on him being like i can f- fix your ills do you remember um no you know before they all drink the kool-aid 
that's Jonestown. Uh, yeah, it? Jonestown. Sorry, but that that was more to do with. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that being... Well, previous to that, that's how he got them to start to move there, is that he he said that he was, like, able to fix people. Mm. So, like... Because, obviously, why would they all move there for, you know... He he proved his, like, abilities. I thought that was... It was more to do with the church, and he was a, a multiracial... He, he was trying to preach against uh, racism. And he did that he, as well. He was actually no, a, he did that as well. These were, preacher, but these he? were all part of parcel of it. He mm. he also told people he could fix them, right, and he okay. did, you know. But he he did have people that would, you know, say they had cancer and stuff. But they was they mm. were stooges, and then they would, you know, get up out of their wheelchairs and things like that. So he had like performers as well. Um, and I think the thing is, is that there's all sorts of different techniques they use. So, you know, if you're somebody who's who's doesn't agree with what I'm saying here, you might say, well, no, no that couldn't have happened in my case because, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I'm not saying that that's exactly what happened in this case or that case, but um, it, it's, it, it, there's lots of different mechanisms, there's lots of different ways that these people um, can can trick us into thinking that there's something happening that that isn't really happening mm. so so for me the the thing is about it's about um evidence um being presented in a way that is 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 good evidence yeah. you know somebody being able to guess something or knowing something about us isn't itself evidence that mm. they have some supernatural power um you have to check all the other mm things first before yeah. you accept some something like that surely. Cold reading. yeah absolutely mm. i've got a little um i'd quite like to read it but perhaps at the end of the the podcast mm-hmm. um after we've finished the final mm. um bit i'll i'll include um a cold reading exercise that um is in a book um that i found really really interesting it's Devon brown's mm. Damon Brown's Tricks of the Mind and in it he uh, actually gives you a little cold reading example that he's used with, happens to be I mean we're going back a few Mm. years so it's perhaps a little bit out of date but um, young people around sort of graduation time Mm. if you like and he sets it up as though it's like a cold reading Mm. and he puts these, this script in a letter and they open the letter and they read it and they think, my goodness, how did he know all that stuff? Mm. How could he have possibly known? That is me to an absolute T. Mm. Um, so I'll read that at the end of the podcast. And, and if, if you want to approach it as though, you know, imagine that somebody that has got quite a lot of charisma and has got a good reputation for being able to read your mind or understand you, mm. imagine that they are telling you about yourself Mm. um and you've got good reason to think they have this skill you know think about how powerful that would be so i think it's quite it's it's really quite interesting it's um so yeah i mean i don't want to be the the uh the nasty debunker and uh, and i do understand that some people it 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 is comfort for them but Mm. on the other hand it can also be a way to exploit people so i think we really need to mm. um, i feel like it's a moral duty for me to say right let's give me the evidence yeah. that actually something supernatural is happening here 
it's not some sort of trick or some sort of way of manipulating me before I start believing in those sorts of things. Definitely. Mm. I agree that I, I'm not going to take away someone's comfort in that when people are like, oh, a white feather, it's guardian angel or whatever. Like, I don't personally believe that, but I don't believe in angels and like, I think I only believe in the spooky side of supernatural, to be honest, and not in a true belief way. In a, I get the fear, but I don't get comfort from the idea that because I think I find comfort in the idea that I can live my life well and it can end. Because like I think, fingers crossed, I'll get to a nice old age of at least like eighty, and then I'll be ready to be done. Do you know what I mean? I reckon you get to a certain point when you're done. You're like, I'm done now. If you're old, yeah. I mean, but I guess there's that idea of um that's when people say yeah it's just unfinished business but that's sad to me because i'm like oh oh sad yeah i mean we talked about the um the life and death Mm. episode we talked about a lot of this in the life and death Mm. episode so if you want to as a listener if you're kind of want to know a bit more about that discussion then obviously that's a good place to go but yeah i mean for for me um as much as there is a you know a feeling that you don't want it to end you know and and I, I totally understand that on the other hand there's there's something quite um comforting in a way to be able to think well you know if there's nothing to fear it'll just um, be over it's just mm. it'll just you know death is like uh the same as it was 200 years ago for me and you mm. um we don't worry about that so why should we worry well, about it's just, it in you know, 200 years it's just like going to sleep you just exactly. there's nothing scary about when you go to sleep is there no so well there can be what if you get sleep <laughs> we'll paralysis talk about dreams another day uh, yeah. yeah so i think there's still a lot to talk about there's dreams mm. there's uh general superstition which we did mm. toy with the idea of including this but i think you know we've, yeah, we've covered yeah. enough ground here um so we can come back to these mm. issues again but i think for me the takeaway message that I like to have on this is is that I'm not going to accept things just because A, I want them, or B, because somebody tells me a compelling story. Mm, yeah. um, I want the evidence for it. And so far, we just don't have any evidence, yeah. like experimental evidence um, or visual, mm. like uh, proper good... No, yeah, because um, that's always the bit in the films that like seals it for everybody when they find a picture of the creepy yeah. thing in the back, isn't there? Yeah. Sometimes there are I mean, creepy pictures, but they can. There are some creep, but it, again, you know, it has to be of a of a quality that you know we know mm. hasn't been photoshopped. Mm. So it's not easy, obviously. But you know, if you if you want to prove something like that that has no obvious evidence for it, then you're mm. going to have to provide some good evidence, aren't you, yeah. to uh, to demonstrate it? Is that that sort? Of, the onus is on. Um, the person claiming the supernatural mm. to provide the evidence, not on me to disprove it. Yeah. So I think that's really, you know, where I sit on this. Mm. Um, and until, if and when that happens, you know, fine. Mm. Then we'll have to start understanding something else, mm. you know. Um, but at the moment, everything we experience in life can be explained by the physical world around us. Mm. And that's, you know, that's good enough for me. Well, thanks for listening.
All right, so you stayed with us. So I'm going to read a excerpt from Darren Brown's Tricks of the Mind. Um, full reference will be on the show notes. Um, if you want to try and kind of get the feel for this, then maybe just imagine yourself in a situation where you've provided your name or you've just uh, appeared to somebody and they've done something that has made you think that they've gathered some sort of psychic information about you so they now know things about you that um, maybe you wouldn't expect them to know so this is that sort of reading it's the way that somebody can sort of tell who you are and what you are and uh, and give that back to you and you've had no time to do any research about the individual so you're literally just presented with somebody right now and you're going to talk about them Um, so yeah so here we go You are a person prone to bouts of real self-examination. This is in sharp contrast to a striking ability you have developed to appear socially very engaged. Even the life and soul of the party. But in a way that only convinces others, you are all too aware of it being a facade. This means that you will often be at a gathering and find yourself playing a part. While on the one hand, you'll be talkative and funny, you'll be detaching yourself to the point where you'll find yourself watching everything going on around you and feeling utterly unable to engage. You'll play conversations back to yourself in your head and wonder what that person really meant when he said such and such. Conversations that other people wouldn't give a second thought to. How have you learned to deal with this conflict? Through exercising control. You like to show a calm, self-assured, fluid kind of stability. But because this is self-consciously created, it will create bouts of frustrated silliness and a delight in extremes. Or at least a delight in being seen to be extreme. You most easily recognise this control in how you are with people around you. You've learned to protect yourself by keeping people at bay. Because in the past, you've learned to be disappointed by people. And because there were issues with you adjusting to your sexuality, you instinctively keep people at arm's length. Until you decide they're allowed over that magic line into your group of close friends. However... Once across that line, the problem is that an emotional dependency kicks in, which leaves you feeling very hurt or rejected, if it appears that they've betrayed that status. Because you're prone to self-examination, you will be aware of these traits. However, you are unusually able to examine even that self-examination, which means that you have become concerned about what the real you is. You've become all too aware of facades, of sides of yourself, which you present to the world. And you wonder if you've lost touch with the real and spontaneous you. You are very creative and have tried different avenues to utilise that ability. It may not be that you specifically say, paint. It may be that your creativity shows itself in more subtle ways, but you will certainly find yourself having vivid and well-formed ideas which others will find hard to grasp. 
You set high standards for yourself, though, and in many ways are a bit of a perfectionist. The problem is, though, that it means you often don't get stuff done because you're frustrated by the idea of mediocrity and are wearied by the idea of starting something afresh. However, once your brain is engaged, you'll find yourself sailing. Very likely, this will lead to you having considered writing a novel or some such. But a fear that you won't be able to achieve quite what you want stops you from getting on with it. But you have a real vision for things, which others fall short of, particularly in your academic or college or learning situation. You're currently fighting against restraints upon your desire to express yourself freely. Your relationship with your parents. There is a suggestion that one is no longer around, or at least emotionally very absent, is under some strain. You wish to remain fond of them, but recent issues are causing frustration from your side far more than theirs. In fact, they seem unaware of your thoughts on the matter. Partly this is because there are ways in which you've been made to feel isolated from certain groups in the past, something of an outsider. Now what is happening is that you are taking that outsider role and defending it to the point of consciously avoiding being part of a group. This will serve you enormously well in your creative and career pursuits. You have an enormous cynicism towards those who prepare to be part of a group or who exhibit any clicky behaviour and you always feel a pang of disappointment when you see your close friends seeming to follow that route. Deep down it feels like a rejection. However, for all that introspection... You've developed a sensational dry sense of humour that makes connections quickly and wittily and will leave you making jokes that go right over the heads of others. You delight in it so much that you'll often rehearse jokes or amusing voices to yourself in order to spontaneously impress others with them. But this is a healthy desire to impress and although you hate catching yourself at it, it's nothing to be worried about. There's an odd feeling also that you should have been born in a different century. You might be able to make more sense of that than I can. There are some strong monetary shifts taking place at the moment. Both the recent past and what's in store over the next few months represent quite a challenge. You have links at the moment with America which are quite interesting and will look to yield worthwhile results. You're naturally a little disorganised. Something related to this is that you tend to lack motivation. Because you're resourceful and talented enough to be pretty successful when you put your mind to things, this encourages you to procrastinate and put them off. Equally, you've given up dreams a little easily when your mind flitted elsewhere. There are, in your home, signs of an excursion into playing a musical instrument which you have since abandoned or are finding yourself less interested in. This may alternatively relate to poetry and creative writing you've briefly tried your hand at and left behind you. You have a real capacity for deciding that such and such a thing or so and so a person will be the all and end all of everything and be with you forever. 
but you'd rather try and fail and swing from one extreme to the other than settle for the little things that you see others content with. Okay, conclusion. Well, it's very interesting doing your reading, as you do present something of a conundrum which won't surprise you. You're certainly bright, but unusually open to life's possibilities. Something not normally found among achieving people. I'd say you would do well to be less self-absorbed, as it tends to distance you a little, and to relinquish some of the control you experience when you present that stylized version of yourself to others. You could let people in a little more, but I'm aware that there is a darkness you feel you should hide. Much of this is in the personal, relationship or sexual area, and is related to a neediness which you don't like. You really have an appealing personality, genuinely. Many thanks for doing this and for offering something far more meaty than most.